Hey, hey, my my, our four-year-old grandson Henley, the third of the Faulkners, uh, H three. He's four, knows everything. I mean, four. He's rough and tough. He's trying to make his space in that family. I mean, you know, when you're three of four, you gotta you gotta make room. And I sit in my office back here one day, and the door burst open, and Henley come running up around my desk, and he said, "Pop, can I go home with you?" I said, well, he goes, now? And I said, now? I, he said, yeah. I said, can I go home with you now? And I said, why? He said, I'm in trouble. <laughs> I'm in trouble. And I said, well, buddy, I, I don't think we can go now. Can I hide under your desk? <laughs> sure, buddy. Under the in came Becky. He is in trouble. Uh, uh, Henley reminds me of most of you. Reminds me of most of the Christians that I have pastored most of my life. They're waiting on the rapture. We're in trouble down here. Just wait for that trumpet to blow and we get to fly in the sky and the rest of them can just go to heck in a handbasket. You know how sad that is? You're acting like that you have no defense from the trouble in the world. And you just can't wait. You're, you're running into Papa's office going, can we go home now? Because you're in trouble. See, the world's in trouble. The world has always been in trouble. It always will be in trouble. In fact, the Bible says, according to Jesus, that in this world you're going to have... See, if you're having trouble, you're alive, thank God right? If you're alive, you got trouble, trouble, trouble. There's trouble in River City. I promise you, if you're alive, it doesn't matter. There was trouble when Jesus was here and there's trouble now. It doesn't matter what generation you're living in, there is trouble. As long as there are human beings, there will be trouble. They'll be mean, they'll be nasty, they'll be vengeful, they'll, be, they'll steal. Human beings can't be trusted. It's the truth. You can't trust yourself. That's why you're supposed to trust in God. There's trouble. Everywhere there you look, I mean, John 14 says, let not your heart be troubled. If you trust in God, trust in me. The way out of trouble, through trouble, is with trust, right? I got news for you. The world's going to be more troubled. It's always going to be more troubled. It's messed up. But Christians, you're supposed to be a witness of people that are not troubled by the trouble that's in the world. You're supposed to be people that can live trouble-free in a trouble-filled world. You're supposed to be people that stand out in the midst of the trouble and not sweat it. You're supposed to be people that are supposed to be able to stand in the middle of it and be a light shining in the midst of darkness and say, hey, I have overcome the world. Jesus says this. He said, anybody that's born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world. Our faith. Did you know that Christian faith is supposed to be able to stand in the middle of a troubled world and not be afraid of it? Not be looking for a way out. Not be looking for... I think the title of my message this morning is How to Live Trouble-Free in a Trouble-Filled World. I think I could title it Henry Henley Three, As he hid under my desk. He had no faith in this world, but he had faith in Papa. He had faith that Papa would hide him. He had faith that Papa would hide him under the wings of his desk. He had faith that if he could get under Papa's protection, that the world could not harm him. See, you and I today have got to recognize that we're not going to live in a world that's without trouble. 
that we're going to experience these things, and yet that our faith overcomes those things. And that faith is the result of recognizing or realizing that Jesus is Lord. That faith is the product of knowing that God loves us. That faith is not based on our mental reasoning, but based on the spiritual reality of a God that makes himself known. That faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not clearly seen. I was having coffee the other day with a couple of my pastor friends, and they go, Quentin, you just preach way too much hope. We just just want you to understand that we think you're giving too much hope, false hope. I looked at one of them. I said, would you put that in your bulletin? I said, I really wish you would next Sunday. I wish you'd put in your bulletin that Quentin Moore at the Father's house preaches too much hope. He looked at me and said, why would you want to do that? And I said, because they'll be in my church next Sunday. Because it is obvious that you're preaching hopelessness. Faith is a substance of things. You can never have too much hope. In the middle of a troubled world, you've got to have hope that God's bigger than the trouble that's in this world. You've got to be expecting God to work all things out together for the good of those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. i got hope, man. Faith is the substance made up of the expectations that I have that God is faithful and that God is good and that God never leaves me, never forsakes me, but picks me up and carries me through the storm that I can walk through a fire and not even smell like I've been with any smokers. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things that are seen are not made of the things which do appear. By faith, we understand. Listen to me. You'll never understand with the gray matter between your ears. If you're waiting to try to understand God with what goes on up here and the electrodes and the neutrons and all of the drugs that go on off up there, listen, your brain's never going to be able to grasp God. It's going to take faith that can deal in the unknown, faith that can deal in the mysteries, faith that can suspend the reasonings of humanity, and faith will begin to grasp and understand that the world was framed, structured, built, has its foundation on the Word of God. Did you know the Word existed before the world? Did you know that the world will pass away, but the word will remain? The Bible says that there'll be wars and rumors of wars. There'll be this and there'll be that. But then he says, but don't be troubled just because all that stuff's on CNN and FOX and whatever else there is out there. Don't be troubled. Touch your neighbor and say, don't worry about it. Don't be troubled about it. It's going to fall apart. Heaven and earth are going to pass away. But his word, my life is built on the word of God. I remembered a long time ago. I remembered the dude the first time I ever heard it. He picked this up and he said, this is the word of God. Anybody got one of these? If you got one, you charge. That's all right. You can hold it up too. This is the word of God. I am who he says I am. I can do what he says I can do. I can be who he says I can have. I can. Man, if you ain't read that, you don't know who you are. Let me just tell you this morning. If you don't have one of these, you ought to get one. Because it is what God says about you. I mean, and this, this right here made the world. This word created. Well, I thought it evolved out of a bang. Who do you think shot the gun? Ding-a-ling. I mean, this is. The world's going to be in trouble, but that word is never going to be in trouble. 
The world's going to have problems, but the way you can live trouble-free in a troubled world is to know what this says and not what they say. I'm tired of hearing people tell me, well, they said that, you know, they, I don't care what they said, honey. I know that the word is the final authority, not Bob or Bill. Yeah, are you listening to me? It's that simple. I think it's complicated. No, it's not. Well, I don't understand it. So what? When did it say that the world was framed by his word and your understanding of it? I don't know how Mars goes around either. I don't understand it, but it's stuck up there. I don't understand how my Jeep runs. I still drive it. Are you? Oh, well. See, I believe in the supernatural. And I, about four things down, if you Google supernatural in the Webster's and about four things down, I like this uh, definition of it. A departure from the usual or the norm. Supernatural is a departure from the usual and the norm. I want to live that life. I don't want to be stuck in what the world calls normal. I don't want to just have a usual life. I'd like to have an unusual life. I, I'd like to have a life that's not normal. I kind of like being weird. I kind of like wearing a dress and having a biker stand beside me and going, I don't have no idea what that means, but I was doing it. Finally, the guy says, for Christ. I went, oh, that's cool. <laughs> I thought I was giving a gang sign. I didn't know. I thought I might be shot on the way home. See, a supernatural is to depart from other people's expectation. Supernatural is to depart what other people well, just live with. And I ain't going to just live with it. I don't have to just tolerate it or regard it as a general rule. And listen, what everybody else says has to happen doesn't have to happen to me. I'm going to live in the supernatural mystery of God working by his word in my life. I like what Paul says. Don't be conformed to the world. Listen, there's too many conformists going on. They're conforming to the culture that's around them. I'm not conforming to nothing here. I'm not from here. I don't need to conform. to. I don't want to fit in. I'm not looking to fit in. I'm looking to stand out. Well, you're an eagle maniac. Look out, buddy. I'm standing out because Jesus is alive in my life, and I don't have to go down with the... Touch your neighbor and say, I ain't of this world. I may be in it, but I ain't of it. It's funny. When Jesus prayed, he said, I ain't praying that you take them out of the world. I'm just praying you keep them from the evil one that's in the world. We're supposed to be standing in the world going, hmm. We're, we're, oh, well. Don't be conformed to the world. I like the way J.B. Phillips says it. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. Some of you are letting too much squeezing happen. You, you need to squeeze back, slap back. Quit letting the world squeeze you and shape you. Listen, you should not be looking like him on TV. Look, guys, you don't have to look like that. You don't have to act like that. I don't have to stand out like that. Somebody looked at me the other day, and they said, you're looking old. I said, because I am. I'm not a 61-year-old trying to look like I'm 21. I don't care. Listen, I had to live this. I know a lot of people that didn't get to live this. I'd rather look like this and have lived this than not look like this. And if you want to look good when you die, you got to die young. I hate it when people walk by that box and go, oh, doesn't she look good? No! She does not look good. 
dead is not good looking. Not once. When you come to my funeral, we ain't opening the box. Look at it now. This is it. Are you kidding me? Quit trying to act like something you're not. I don't have to fit into this world. I don't have to look that to be what I am. In fact, this thing doesn't even tell you who I am. You don't know who I am. No one knows who somebody else is. They only know who someone tells them they are. Oh, well, you'll get there in a minute. Don't let the world around you or the message don't become so well adjusted to the culture. Listen, we still should be shocked at the way injustices are delivered in our world. I'm still shocked every time I meet a prejudiced person. I'm still shocked. I, I, I don't like it. I'm still shocked when I meet somebody that treats women badly. I'm still shocked by that. You ought to be shocked by it. You ought to be shocked that there are 20 soldiers a day. Yeah, yeah, I'm not that well adjusted to that. It still stands out. I'm not letting the world uh, desensitize me to humanity. I mean, every time that Compassion International comes on, they got that starving baby on there, I'm bawling. I'm finding my phone and trying to send another 20 bucks. Because I'm not going to be so well adjusted that I just go, oh, that's just the way it is. No, it's not. I stand out in the world and I say, no. Are you nobody? Hmm. Touch your neighbors. Don't be troubled. Don't, don't, don't. We're, we're, not supposed to, we're not supposed to live in this troubled world. Do you know we're supposed to be speaking spirits? There's a spirit down on the inside of me. There's something down in here, and I, 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 I literally, I, I'll, I'll think about cussing, and it'll say something else. I'm serious. I, I'll get irritated about something, and I'll want to just, and, and then I, I'll, something will come out of my mouth, and I'll think, that ain't what I'm thinking. Oh, come on. I'm going to give him a piece of my mind, and then I realize I ain't got any left. And he, these words start coming out of my mouth that are filled with grace and mercy and kindness. And I'm thinking, I don't want to be that. <laughs> you didn't get it. You put enough of this in there and you'll hear something coming out that you didn't know was even down in there. You put enough of this in there and it'll answer for you before you can answer for yourself and make a fool out of yourself. You want to stop making a fool out of yourself? Put enough of this down in there and it'll out talk you. And the Spirit of God will come up on the inside and start responding just like that. And you'll have to be standing there listening to yourself thinking, gee, many Christmas, that's good. How did you memorize so many scriptures, Pastor? Never once have I tried to memorize scripture. Not one time. I don't have to sit there and memorize scripture. You read it long enough, it gets down in there. You read it long enough, your spirit down on the inside will just start talking. You'll be going, how did I remember that? You didn't, dummy. Are you understanding what I said? How do you read that much? Uh, well, this is why this will never be enough. I love this. I have 26 Bible. 26. That's amazing. But do you know the other thing that's on there? You. And I can be reading through my 26 Bible versions and it'll go beep. And I, my thumb just goes over and automatically sees what you beat me about. And you break my concentration. Oh, you didn't get it. Every one of you do the same thing. You might be reading here, 
This is, this, is, this is really convenient. But can I tell you, sometimes you need to put that down, pick up the book, because it don't beat. You need to study out of this. You need to go back to paper and pick up the scroll, because then no... And while you do it, just turn this here thing off. Oh, well, now he's making rules for me. No, I'm trying to teach you how to live trouble-free in a trouble-filled world. It's called W-O-R-D, the word. Become speaking spirits and watch what happens. Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 13. Many of you will know this. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. Can I get a Pentecostal to shout, yeah. And the Lord will make you the head, not the tail. You shall be above only and not beneath. If you heed the commandments, say obey, pay attention, which I command you today and are careful to observe them. In other words, having done all to stand, stand. After you've stopped eating the vanilla chocolate cupboard, <laughs> then you can, after you've done everything you know to do, then you can. But I love, I love the NIV. Have we got it? And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail if you pay attention to the commandments of the Lord your God. And I will give this day and carefully follow them. You will always be at the top. I love that. Say, touch your neighbor say, at the top. You'll always be at the top and not at the bottom. Can I tell you, being at the bottom ain't good. You don't want to live life at the bottom. You want to live life at the top. Some of you are looking at me, what are you talking about? Keep living, you'll find out. It's better to be at the top of something than at the bottom of something. Do you know if you're at the bottom of the chain, you get a little bit. <laughs> he said, if you'll listen to my word, if you'll understand what I've said to you, I'll make you the head and not the tail. You'll be at the top and not at the bottom. Some of you are going, well, I've never been at the top. I can tell you. It's your decision. Listen, when I started preaching 40 years ago, when people walked into the church, they had a stack of stuff. I need about four more. Now, come on, Carol. They did. We had our study Bible. We had our notebook. And we had some other book. And, and we'd come into the church, and it took three seats for people to sit down because they had to spread all of this out. You're making me feel bad, Pastor. I know. I'm trying. I'm working at it. Why? Because I'm trying to get you to understand if you don't eat your Wheaties, you're not going to win. And it's better to win than lose. No, it ain't. It's just the way you play the game. Ask Brian if that's true. Because I promise you that ain't true. He, he ain't just practice. I mean, if it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, why practice? Oh, you're quiet. How many of you like your kids to win? Read them the word. Man, you're, you're, you're too quiet. <laughs> I love John 15, verse 19. He said, if you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. How many of you know the world don't like you? It'll send you a bill. It will. The world will send you a bill. And you go, how did I get that? Oh, they took a picture of you when you rolled around that corner. <laughs> you know, they don't even have to be there anymore. They give you tickets and they weren't even there. It was not me in the car. I swear to you, it was not me in the car. <laughs> I loaned it to my neighbor. They still sent me the ticket. The wor 
If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. Say chosen. chosen. How many know you're chosen out of the world? I can be in the world, but I ain't of the world. The world's having trouble, but I ain't of the world anyway. I've been chosen. Another translation says made distinct. I made you distinct out of the world. Another translation says I marked you. I marked you. I love what the psalmist writes in the 67th chapter, verse 6. Earth, display your exuberance. You mark us with blessing, O God. Did you know that your life is supposed to be marked by blessing? The word blessing means empowered to prosper in the midst of bad things. You're supposed to stand out in the midst of a troubled world as the trophy of God, the royal priesthood, the holy nation. You're supposed to stand out as being people that are above the trouble in the world. You're supposed to stand out as the light. You're supposed to stand out as the favorite of God. That you're the head, not the tail. That you're always at the top. That it doesn't matter what's swirling around you. You're not listening to what's swirling around you because greater is the one on the inside of you. Am I making any sense? Can I go home with you, Papa? I've listened to Pentecostal Wesleyan-founded people all my life. Well, I think we're having rapture practices. <laughs> Touch your neighbor and say, I'm going to live trouble-free. I'm going to make up my mind. I'm going to live trouble-free. I'm not going to let the world around me dictate the kind of lifestyle that I get to live. Listen, I came here with nothing. I started with nothing. But in his, oh well. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spend the next 16 minutes and I'm going to tell you a story. Um, it's John chapter 6. It's the feeding of the 5,000. The feeding of the 5,000 is an interesting story to me. I've preached it so many times. The feeding of the 5,000 uh, is quoted in all four of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. It's interesting to me, Lazarus didn't make the cut. A couple of them didn't tell you about Lazarus. A couple of them didn't tell you about the little girl that got raised. She didn't make the cut that met all four of them. Some of them, some of them skipped over that stretcher thing. But every one of them tell the story of the feeding of the 5,000. That's interesting to me how this story is so powerful that each one of them thought they had to tell the story. John 6, verse 1. After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. <laughs> They're in Peter's boat. Now, I've been in Galilee. I've been all around that area. They, they didn't have cars. They didn't have... The, the, way you, the way you transported things around there is you had to have a boat to go from here to there. You took a boat to go this way. In other words, the mode of transportation was a boat, and Peter had a boat. And Jesus said, can I use your boat? And he said, yes. Did you know the truth always needs to be transported to other places in the world and that you're the transportation? That, that, that Jesus needs you to transport him across the street to the neighbor. That Jesus needs you to transport him in... in, in, in. <laughs> Am I making any sense? That you really are good transportation. You're the donkey that he sat on. Don't get real excited about it. Never mind. So he used Peter's boat. And Jesus went up on the mountain... And uh, uh, verse 2, there was a great multitude that followed him because they saw his signs, which he performed on those who were diseased. They didn't follow him because of who he was. They were following him because of what he did. 
Most people begin to follow God because of what he does for them, not because of who he is. And Jesus went up the mountain. There he sat with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. Then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude coming toward him, he said to Phil, Where, are, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to test him, for he himself knew that he would do. Philip answered and said, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may have a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a lad here who has five barley, worst bread there is, barley loaves, and two small fish. But what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, make the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. I don't know why that verse is there. Who cares there was grass there? I mean, in the middle of this great story, he goes, somebody forgot to mow the yard. I, I mean, right, right in the middle of the story, he talks about grass. Grass, a lot of grass there. No grub, but a lot of grass. So the men sat down in a number, about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples, and the disciples to those sitting on the down. And likewise, the fizz, as much as they needed. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore, he gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which were left over by those who had eaten. Another weird thing, who brought the baskets? I mean, we didn't have nothing. Why would, I think Jesus put the baskets in the back of the trunk of the boat just because he knew what he was going to do already. You understand? They didn't even bring their own lunch, but we had baskets. That makes no sense. Christ always knows what he's going to do before he does it. Christ always knows what your need's going to be before you even know you have the need. When you forget your lunch, he's already got a plan. When you run out ahead of something and you didn't make, he, he's already got, there are 12 baskets there. See, they followed him not because of who he is, but because of what he does. The beginning of all faith has to do with recognizing that God is doing for us stuff we cannot do for ourselves. And in every one of the situations on the cross, he knew what we needed. Here on the mountainside next to Galilee, he knew what they needed. There are so many layers and levels to the meaning of this particular story that I'll never be able to unpack them for you in the next 15 minutes. But I want you to catch a few things. John writes that Jesus said, where can we buy bread? Where can we buy bread? Now, I've been there. There ain't nowhere. Where can we buy bread? Philip has already got his calculator out going, it'd take eight months worth of wages to even buy bread. What are you talking about? We ain't got no money. I mean, he just, he's already reasoning. I mean, God says, where can we buy bread? And half the church is going, what do you mean buy bread? God says stuff to us, and we start going, that can't happen. Our perspective is already going, we can't do that. I mean, Mark talks about how he told them, you feed them. Me feed them. I got nothing. You got nothing. I got nothing. Andrew, on the other hand, goes, well, there's a boy over here. Andrew's phenomenal to me. Jesus tells them to sit down. On the grass. And he took the bread. Say, he took it. And he gave thanks. See, what you think is too little, what you think is not enough, in the right hands can be more than enough. See, here's the question this morning, my friends. Can you say thank you for the little bit that you have? Everybody in this room, can you say thank you for the little bit that you got? Can you be grateful can we be grateful over what seems to be not enough? 
I mean, when I got it in my hands, it's just not enough, Bruce. But can I be thankful for that which I think is too little? Church, we got to learn to be thankful over what we think is not enough. We got we got to learn to be grateful. And only in that midst can we make a difference between what's not enough and what's more than enough. Thanksgiving, the reason we do this is because we have to be a people that know how to live thankful so that God can take too little and make it too much. The way to move into another world, the way to live in the middle of a world, is to understand that the Word of God comes to say thank you. Anybody know who Brene Brown is? Okay. Brene Brown, I love reading behind Brene. Brene says we're living in a culture of never enough. We're living in a culture where people never have enough time. I don't have enough time to do that. I never have enough time. They never have enough money. We never have enough money. We never have enough time. We never have enough money. We never get enough information. We are always Googling to get more information. Can I tell you more information ain't going to help you? We never get enough sleep. We are never entertained enough. We, we, we live in a world that's never got enough opportunity, money, sleep, information. We, we're always wanting more. And because of that, we never experience everything that God has for us. See, I have news for you. Whatever's in your life, it's never not enough. You are never not enough. When Christ is in your presence, what you've got, he will thank and it will be more than enough. Whatever you're... You think you're lacking. Listen, God shows up in the middle of your shortage to show you that he's the supply of every need that you've got. Every shortage you're facing this morning is an opportunity for him to manifest his richest generosity into your life. He wants you to recognize that you never don't have enough. I mean, there's two widows in the Bible. One of them's got boys that are going to be sold for slaves. And she goes to the prophet. And the prophet says, what's in your house? She goes, well, I just got a little oil. He goes, it's enough. Another one is a widow that has a boy. And there's just a handful of meal left in the bottom of the barrel. And she says, I'm going to fix this cake. And then I'm going to eat it. And we're going to die. God will show up in the middle of your little bit that you think is not enough and he'll be able to take that little bit and turn it into a supply that you won't be able to contain. Honey, that's why I'm telling you, every time we receive an offering, you want to give the little bit that you got that's not enough to meet your need because when God puts it in his hands, honey, he'll open up doors for you that you don't understand. It is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It is recognizing that my trust is in him and not in myself. This principle that takes place on the side of this mountain that's included in all four of the Gospels is underscored by every one of them. And there are about three things that I want you to catch this morning. Listen, you've got to lean in. You've got to lean in. You've got to see this story for what it is. John the Baptist had just been beheaded by a king who didn't want to hear the truth. The cousin of Jesus had just gotten killed because he dared to speak up and tell the truth to the king that didn't want to hear it. You know how many people in this world don't want to hear the truth? They have alternative truths. They make up truths. Listen to me. You need not to be adjusted to this world. They don't even know what truth is. None of them. We know what truth is. We know that his name is Jesus, that he's the way, he's the truth, and he's the life. Listen, we need to understand something, that Jesus was trying to take his 12 disciples off to a silent place so that he could explain to them the suffering that was going on in the world and that was yet to come.
His disciples were shook by the death of John the Baptist. And he was thinking, i got to get them away. And i got to help them understand that I'm even going to die. In the midst of a troubled world, he's trying to do a retreat with these 12 disciples. We'll go to the other side of the lake. He's just trying to get a respite for a minute because that's my cousin. And in the middle of just trying to get a break, a crowd continues to follow. It's a very troubling moment. I've got news for you. Your greatest opportunity comes at the most inconvenient times. This was inconvenient. He was going to try to talk to the disciples. He was going to try to take a breath. Come on, moms. You ever tried to take a shower with three kids in a house? Oh, come on. Annie used to tell me when the kids were small, she goes, every time I go in there, they follow me in. Your greatest opportunities always come at the most inconvenient of times. You'd never have an extra $10,000 around when someone asks you for an offering. Ever. Every time God's ever spoke to me about giving, I never had extra. No, you didn't. God always shows up in the middle of a shortage so that he can reveal to you that he's more than enough. Mark tells his story, and Mark says, send him away. Send him away. The crowd presses in, and now they're hungry. And Mark goes, make him go away. Make the world go away. Oh, this is for the older crowd. Get it off my shoulder. Say the things you used to say. And make the world go away. Send it away, Jesus. We got this crowd following us, and they got all these demands. Make my troubles go away. Make this go away. God, make. Did you know that if God had made them go away, they would not have had lunch? That contained within the problem was the seed of their own lunch? That the problem and the, that you're facing today has within it the seed for you to eat? That the thing you're wanting to go away, God has got something hidden in it that will feed you and them together and reveal who he is. You can't send the problems of your life away. Because in the midst of those problems is the miracle that you've been asking for. The answer to every prayer is in the midst of that problem. The midst of that challenge, it's there. You can depart from the usual and the norm by embracing the challenges of your life and recognizing that God's going to work all things together for your good. There's always a temptation to send the thing away that God has hidden within it, your answer. Lean into it. Listen, you need this word this morning. You listen to me. The word that you need the most in your life is the one you'll resist the most. I have preached for many years. I have watched people go. They don't lean in, and neither they lean back. It's so funny. The the very thing you need the most will be the very thing you resist. Send them away. The very word you need the most is what will make you uncomfortable. The very word you need the most is what will challenge your comfort zone. I've watched men do it for years. I am not raising my hands. I know you'll never give up your will. I get it. You're a stubborn old goat. You'll never, and yet you're the one that needs, I don't have to do it. No, you don't have to, but you need to. (laughs) Oh, some of you are mad at me already. 
The word you need the most is the one you're hearing right now. You can't resist it. You've got to lean into it. Let me tell you something. If you don't lean into your marriage, you're going to lose it. If you don't lean into what he or she is saying, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to lean in. You've got to hear it. They didn't want to hear it. They lean. Philip didn't want to hear it. Number two, you've got to look down. Say, look down. The Bible says Jesus went up, and they looked down. Jesus got to a higher perspective. He went up the mountain so he could look down the mountain. Did you know that your perspective changes everything? I've seen pictures they take from the balcony. It changed the whole perspective. Listen. Do you know what that is? It's a microphone, right? It's black. It's gray on top. Sometimes I can figure out how to turn it on. Sometimes. Because I'm looking at it. If Lucas comes up here, he'll tell you the number that it is, the frequency that it's on, the frequency that it does with other things, the processor that's in it, what year he bought it, how old it is, and what new one we can buy for nine ninety five. Five, 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 five. It, it, it's interesting. I look at it and I just describe what I see. Lucas looks at it and describes it from what he knows. One is the bottom up. One is the top down. Jesus looked at the situation of need in the lives of those people. And because he knows someone we didn't know, he can see something we can't see. Because he's come from somewhere you ain't never been before. He knows something you ain't never known before. you got to have a top-down perspective. When you begin to look at your situation from the top down, it'll change the way you look at that situation. And the only way you get to look at it from the top down is to spend enough time that you can understand that this is his perspective. And so that when he sees our need, he sees it from up here and we see it from down here. Am I making any sense yet? Jesus was able to look down of it from a position of knowing, I got myself in trouble here, from knowing, some of you need to get a different perspective. Will you stay with me? I know it's noon. Will you stay with me? Can I finish? I promise you it's pretty good. Listen, in the midst of the shortage, in the midst of the trouble, after the miracle, After he's fed them, he begins to reveal who he is. He does the miracle. Then he says, I am the bread of life. I am what you really need. You stood before me and you thought you were hungry, but honey, I am what you hunger for. I am the bread of life. It's the first of seven declarations that I am. He spoke to Moses and said, I am. And Jesus stands up and said, I am what you really need. I am. There's no way to be hungry and be in my presence. I am the bread of life. And he begins to show them that in the midst of every shortage, I am what you are searching for. Listen to me. If you're hungry for bread, he is. I am. The next time you see him say it, he said, I am the light. Are you in darkness? I'm the way you're going to see. Is the world dark out there? Of course it is. He's the light. I am the door. You don't know how to go in. You don't know how to get out. You're stuck. You don't know which way to go. Listen, he's the way in and he's the way out. 
He's the way into the kingdom. He's the way out of the world. I am the door. Listen, I am the shepherd. You don't know which direction to go? Follow me. You're lost and can't figure it out? I am the one that can lead you beside the still waters. I am the bread. I am the light. I am the door. I am the shepherd. It's not some elusive thing out there. It's me. It's our relationship. If you're in a relationship with me, I fulfill all of your needs according to the riches and glory. If you're suffering any lack this morning, it's because you need to know who he is. He'll take the shortage in your life and make himself known to you in a way you've never known. And honey, you'll be dancing across the troubles of this world. I am the resurrection. Your dream is dead. Your hope is dead. Your marriage is dead. Listen, I can resurrect every dream. I can resurrect every hope. I can resurrect everything that you've ever thought in your life. Because I am the God that can bring life back into what was dead. Are you listening to me? John just keeps unveiling it. I am the true vine. You don't feel like you have a friend. You'd feel disconnected. No one likes you. Listen, the real connection is Jesus. Get connected to the vine, and every other relationship in your life will come back together like that. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. I know where to put your feet. I am the truth. In the midst of a world that can't figure out what is and what isn't, honey, I'll clarify it to you. I'll show you which way to go. I'll reveal to you the truth. I'll make it known to you. I am. He stands on the side of that mountain and he said, I'll feed you and then I'll tell you what you really need. I'll meet your needs and then in the middle of that miracle, I'll reveal to you what you really want because I am always more than enough. You may not think there's enough, but I promise you, I am more than enough. Philip's trying to calculate how to do it. And Andrew is seeing it from a different perspective. you got to hear me. Andrew, my grandmother wanted to be the disciple of Andrew. My grandmother was a crippled woman that walked like this. And she would tell us. She said, I just want to be Andrew. I want to find Pete and I want to find the boy. Because if you know Pete and you know the boy, nothing's impossible. Look at this boy. He only has five loaves. you got to hear me. you got to lean in and you got to look up and you got to listen to me. Andrew spoke up, Dale. Andrew spoke up. Church, we got to speak up. It may look like everything around us is falling apart, but we found a boy that's got five loaves and two fishes. We found just a little bit. And when we find that little bit, look over here, Lord. We got a little bit. And if we just get it into your hands, that little... Come on, church. We need to speak up. I may be the only little bit in this town, but there's a little bit in there. God can take a little bit. My word is, my life is weird. I'm still trying to figure out what he did with this little bit. I grew up with nine kids in the class. There were 54 in the entire school. I was a hit from nowhere. My mama didn't like me. For real. Are you listening to me? God will take that little bit. Look over here, Lord. We got a little bit. Touch your neighbor and say, I got a little bit. You got a little bit? I got this. Listen, I want to leave the norm behind. It never seems like I have enough. It always seems like I'm in trouble. But when I can find the boy that's got five loaves and two fish, let me look around and go, I love what Andrew says. He said, but how far will they go? Have you ever stood there with a little bit and gone, God, I don't know how far this will go. I don't know how... (laughs) 
Let's see how far this will go. Let's see. I think there's an invisible verse hidden in there. I think Jesus said, bring it to me and I'll show you. Bring that little bit you got to me and I'll show you how far it goes. It'll never run out. If you'll just bring your trouble to me this morning. If you'll bring your broken life to me this morning. If you'll bring yourself to me this morning, I'll show you how far you can go. Listen to me this morning. If you're in the sound of my voice, you need to bring your life, your sin, your trouble, your woes. You need to bring your addiction and your marriage and everything. You need to bring that broken down life trouble you got. And you need to bring it to Jesus this morning because he can take that life and make it so brand new that it'll go further than you ever thought it'd go. You can't control this world, but honey, you can make a decision to say he is the Lord of my life. He is. And when you do, it'll never not be enough. When you do, you'll move from too little to too much. You'll move into an abundance. Listen to me. You need to lean into the supernatural. You need to begin to look for the supernatural. You need to begin to listen for the supernatural. You can live trouble-free in a trouble-filled world. You can step out of this world and into his presence. Father, I'm praying that in some small way the words of this preacher are touching the lives and the hearts of people in this room. I pray that they have trust to take what seems to be not enough and put it into your hands. Or do we bring those shortages in our lives. I've come up short so many times, Lord. So many times I feel like I just don't have enough. Every head bowed, every eye closed. The Bible said, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that He is Lord. He's faithful and just to cleanse you from all unrighteousness and bring you into His it's more than enough how do you live trouble free in a trouble filled world I scooted my chair back from my desk and said crawl right in under there son crawl right under the shadows of the almighty come and get in the Christ midst of a troubled world just roll right up under there son and when he did I just rolled my chair right up behind him and he was hidden in me I'm hidden in Christ they opened that door and they're looking for him I said I don't know I think I'm the only one in the room because he's in me and I'm in him are you getting this silly story that this silly preacher is preaching? All you got to do this morning is just slide up under him. Hmm. I don't love you. I tell you, I've lived in times where all I could do was just come up under him. Just come up under that song. confess again you're my savior my lord 
my protector, my provider, my bright and morning star, the lily of the valley, the bread of life, the living water. I just confess that you are everything I need. I just declare in the midst of the shortages of my own life that you are the abundance.